All right, Tim Blankenship here, Divorce 661, Daily Perspective, Episode 15. Got lots of action-packed information for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, tips, tricks, things I did today, uh, clients I helped, cases I worked on, and hopefully you learn a little bit from what we got going on here. So let's get into it. And here's just a brief overview. We're going to talk about some different county uh, timeframes. We're going to talk about lots of things regarding other people that do what I do and maybe don't do it as well. We're going to talk about social security. We're going to talk about how to list certain assets on your judgment. We're going to talk about uh, uncontested cases. And I'm going to tell you about how you possibly could turn your spouse support payments back into having to claim it as income if you use a cash app. So let's get into it. So always busy uh, day here today. Let's see what we uh, worked on. I had uh, finished a San Bernardino judgment today. I got that submitted and out to court. Also finished a long, detailed Santa Clara divorce case um, or a marital settlement agreement rather today. Um, update on Alameda County judgments. I had one approved in about 45 days, which is definitely I think we're running. We had one that was 30 yesterday and this one was 45 so pretty good little uh, time frame there for Alameda. Some courts, as you know, are three and four months on the average and up to even six months, which is crazy. Okay. Um, and then we also submitted a judgment uh, contra costa. I'm trying to say that right. Contra costa. I always say costa and people get mad at me. Okay. So let's talk about the first uh, client I addressed and worked with this week or, or today that uh, was an issue. So this was someone who worked with another paralegal service and I found out who it was and I will not reveal their name, but they were an LDA. So they were, you know, registered and, and bonded and all that good stuff and should have had the know-how and knowledge to prepare a simple divorce case. When I say simple, it was your basic divorce. There's they were amicable, cooperative, uh, no asset, I'm sorry, assets, debts, kids, spouse support, child support, you know, a regular old divorce. So the client said they had a prior service and could I take over because the they can't get it through. There's been multiple rejections. And I said, sure. Well, they sent over 86 pages of rejected documents with so many errors. I couldn't believe it was done by someone in my industry that should be trained. So I guess the takeaway on this is just because they're an LDA doesn't mean they have the experience uh, or know-how how to get your case finalized. And what I'm guessing here, so this person, I looked them up, and they were one of the first 10 LDAs in all of LA County. So I'm not going to say who they are or give their LDA number, but they were probably doing this for 30 years. I don't even know when the first LDAs were became. I'm sure they do. Um, but I think this is just if you don't keep up to date with the changing policies and processes with the court, if you're not doing it often enough, I don't know if maybe she had retired and not done it for a while or what the issues were, but I've seen people who don't do this as a, for a living do much better. Like clients that come to me say, hey, can you take over? We're getting rejections. Their paperwork was better. So I don't know what, what happened. I don't know why it was such a mess. I know we... I'm not going to get into the age thing because I'm going to be there one day and I'm probably someone will be doing a video about me doing the same thing. So um, just make sure who you're going to hire is going to do a good job and, you know, has good reviews and, and all that. But I, you know, to, for me to review 86 pages of just rejected, I'm just going to start over. Um, there, there's so many errors. I mean, for the simplest of errors, even the, the, the uh, requesting or default was getting rejected because the proof of service was wrong. So when I went to review the proof of service, 
they said that, you know, Mary Jane served the paperwork, but then Mary Jo signed the actual proof of service, just like the most bizarre thing. The person who did the service didn't sign the form. Someone else signed it. You can't, it was just, it was bizarre. I, I uh, see some crazy stuff and I was just surprised to see it to come from someone who does what I do. Okay. So next topic. When you hire me, trust that I know what I'm doing. Trust that I've been doing this 11 years. Trust that I know what forms, what check boxes, what gets attached, what doesn't. Because if you're going to hire me, I'd expect you to um, allow me the courtesy of, uh, of your trust. I had some clients today who have questioned every single form, every single checkbox. Shouldn't it be this checkbox, not that checkbox? And I don't feel like I should have to, even though you're my client, explain to you why I'm checking these certain boxes or why I'm using these certain forms. Just know that they are the forms that are needed to file your divorce and finish your divorce case. You can, as a reference, I sent them the FL1A2, which is the California Divorce Judgment Checklist, so they can see that these are the required forms. But I don't mind explaining the process, of course, but if you're saying, Tim, shouldn't it be this box because of that box? Because I read on this website through this court or that court or someone else's blog or video that it should be this. And it's always, no, these folks don't know what they're doing. And I'm just saying it gets a little frustrating to question everything I do when I know what I'm doing is correct. So just a little rant there for you. Let me do my job. Um, okay, next topic. Just because you file a form with the court and the court puts a stamp on it, that doesn't mean it's approved. The clerk's office is not the judgment assistant or judicial assistant that works in the courtroom. The the clerks that take your money, stamp your forms, and this is everything from the petition to your declaration of service to your income and expense declaration. I don't care what it is. The court, the clerks are not reviewing it. They're just stamping it. They could be completely blank and they'll probably just stamp it. They're told not to give legal advice. And instructing people on how to do the forms is technically legal advice. So that is not their job. So I bring this up because I had clients today who said, um, Tim, why are you amending this form? And I said, because there's an error on it and it's going to cause the judgment to be rejected. And they say, well, that's not true because the, the court accepted it. The court didn't accept it. They put a stamp on it. Nothing is reviewed until you turn in your judgment. Then the judicial assistant will pull your entire file, review all documents, and then you'll get a rejection. Maybe your judgment's okay. I doubt it. But maybe let's say the judgment was fine. Prior documents will cause the judgment to reject. And because they haven't been reviewed until you turn in the judgment, that's why when you, if you've been through this or you're going to submit your judgment, the judgment could get rejected for half dozen or a dozen reasons because there could have been errors on your petition, your proof of service, any procedural document that you filed prior to the judgment. Okay, next topic, Social Security and how it works. I've talked about this before, but people come to me and say, Tim, we agree on everything but Social Security. He or she wants my Social Security. You should really do some homework and look it up. It, if you look up the IRS or the Social Security you know, tax code or whatever it is, it literally says if you have been married longer than 10 years, your spouse or you, depending on who you are in this process, can claim 100% of your own or 50%. I'm sorry, let me start over. You can claim 100% of your own or 50% of your spouse's, whichever is higher. And your spouse will still get the full 100%. So there's nothing to fight over. 
So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're going to get, I'll make it simple. You're going to get a hundred dollars in social security, but your spouse is going to get, you know, a thousand dollars in social security. Obviously the spouse, your spouse makes more than you. So you would want to claim 50% of your spouses because then you'd get 500 instead of a hundred and your spouse would still get a thousand. They are not affected or impacted by that. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Next su subject is listing assets on your property order. You need to be specific, but not too specific. And what I'm talking about is not giving the court too much information, just enough to what they need to know to be able to make a decision on who's keeping what. So let's go over it. Bank accounts, credit cards, loans, anything like that. You're going to, you know, student loans, you're going to use the full name of the asset so it can be identified. And then all you need to do is put the last four digits of the account. You don't need the full account number and you don't need to put the value unless money is being divided by a certain amount or if they're getting half or something like that. If you need to state the amount, then that you know it would make sense. But you don't need to put your keeping, you know, 100% of XYZ account with $2 million in it. The court doesn't need that information. Vehicles, year, make, model, license plate is required when listing a vehicle. And also, if you have a vehicle, you probably have a loan. In most cases, don't forget to add the loan. We see people, like today I was doing a judgment, and there was three auto loans, but they didn't list any vehicles. So I had to reach out and say, it appears there's some cars and some vehicles. I'm going to need the year, make, model, and license plate to be able to list those. They just happen to forget those. So just a helpful um, tip there on listing your assets and debts. All right, what do we have next here? Okay, uncontested divorce cases. What I mean by that, and, and I want and I want to state this by saying, I only handle cases where parties are amicable, cooperative, and will sign off on everything. I understand the level of being amicable is going to depend, but you know you can hate each other, but are you are you going to be cooperative in the process, reach an agreement, and sign off on the paperwork at the end? That's all I care about. That's the type of clients I work with. I don't handle cases that are going to court. I had a, a gal call me yesterday. Can I say gal? Lady called me yesterday saying, I want to come to your office. I need to file paperwork to go to court. And I said, well, why are you going to court? Well, I have to do this paperwork before I go to court. I said, why are you going to court? She goes, well, everyone goes to court. I said, no, my clients don't go to court. And she said, what do you mean? I said, our clients reach an agreement out of court and you don't go see a judge. And she was so taken back and surprised by that. She just assumed it was, you know, you go... If you get a divorce, you're going to court. So uh, it turned out the issue was the right reason she was saying going to court is when I said, are you guys amicable? Yes. I said, are you in agreement? She says, no, we don't agree on anything. I said, well, then you, you are going to court. And I had to explain that I don't take those types of cases. I don't take cases. You know, she's And she was arguing with, with me saying, I just want you to do the paperwork. And I said, I understand. I don't handle cases where you and your spouse are not work, both working with me and are cooperative and amicable. And she couldn't figure that out. I had to say it like 10 times that I, I'm not interested in helping her because when, in my opinion, if I were going to take on a case that's not amicable and parties are going to court, that in some way is going to force me to have to give this person legal advice or strategy, or, you know, here's how you can take advantage or whatever attorneys do when they're going to court. And as legal document assistants, we cannot give legal advice. So for those of you, and it's interesting, I have a lot of people that listen to these podcasts and my videos who are in the industry. I think you're taking a real chance by taking on clients who are not in agreement and are going to court because you are having to give legal advice. You're going to have to write motions that you know bring up the, the law and reference to kind of give them, you know, to explain why the judge should order in that 
uh, in their favor. And so I'll tell you, 11 years doing this, there's plenty of business <clears throat> to go around for couples that are amicable. Let your competitors handle the people that are going to take a, a lot of your time and energy and effort and let them handle it is, I guess, my advice for that. Okay, lastly, Venmo. So uh, I'm going to do a short video on this. There is a CPA that did a video that's talking about sometime next year or November, I forget when the date is, if you use a cash app like Venmo and you receive money in excess of $600 at any, you know, it could be $600 in one shot. It could be $10 a day for, you know, 80 days or whatever. But once you hit over $600, you're going to trigger the IRS to send you a 1099. So if your spouse is paying you spouse support through Venmo, you're going to get a 1099 that year and have to explain to the IRS where that income came from. They're just going to assume, according to this video I watched, uh, that it, that that is income. It doesn't matter if you sold clothes or where that source came from. But let's say you're getting you know $6,000 a year in uh, spouse support and it's being paid by Venmo. You're going to get a 1099. You're going to have to file, attach that to your tax return, probably pay more in taxes to have that form filed, but then show and document evidence of why that's not considered income. It'll, you'll be fine. You'll be able to show that it's not income because it's spouse support and it's not collected or it's not counted as income, but you're just going to have to go through that drama of having the IRS send you a, a 1099 saying that uh, we're, you know, attach this as income to your tax return, which you don't want to do. So Venmo, Cash Apps. Um, you're not going to want to use that. They were saying that what you can use is Zelle. Zelle does not trigger that because it's a bank-to-bank -bank versus a third-party cash app. Enjoy your Friday. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, this was the Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, Episode 15, Day in the Life of an LDA. Have a good weekend.